welcome to Politically Correct with me, Curtis Hinton. And me, Mike Desborough. This is the new podcast that divulges into the biggest news stories of the week. Um, we'll be joined by guests this week. We don't have guests, but we will be joined by guests um, from next week onwards, um, where we'll be debating some of the, the biggest topics that's happened in the news during the week. How are you feeling about the podcast, Mike? I'm really excited, actually. Um, I think we're going to touch on some topics which are relevant to not, not always the nation, but worldwide as well there's a lot of things going on at the moment um a lot of controversy um mention russia and people uh, immediately think you've got potentially a war in your hands you know um i'm really really excited to delve into some of the topics that we've got coming up and this podcast isn't going to be um piped down quieted down we're going to be genuinely talking about what we think is is the problem and we're going to be challenging what everyone says so the people that we have on um, we have two guests um, uh, hopefully joining us each week um, and they will get the chance to say what they think is going to be the, um, it, it, what they think is on their mind, sorry. And they're going to be the ones that are going to have to answer to what essentially what they say. And we're going to put questions to them. They're going to put questions to us. It's going to be such an open dialogue. Um, we've probably exposed ourselves a little bit too much with this. Well, I think it's important. I mean, some of the things that we say are going to be controversial. But I think sometimes controversial can often mean that it's it's true, it's factual, and people don't often like the truth. Um, controversial can also mean that it's not completely accurate, but I, I'm happy to be challenged. You know, when people listen to this, uh, I'm, if people want to come on as guests, if people want to tweet us and say, you know, I, I don't agree with what you said, or or even come back and say, actually, you know, I, I've got this, or I was there, and this is a fact, and what you said wasn't completely... Challenge us, by all means. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. This is our opinion, this is our view the subjects that we're discussing. We will base it on the facts we've got available to us. It might be a bit controversial, but that's the whole idea. That's politics. That's exactly it. You mentioned Twitter. If you do want to get involved on Twitter, just hashtag politically correct podcast and we'll be able to pick it up on there. You can also email in hello at politically correct podcast.com and we'll try and get as many people involved um, interacting with, with the show. And if you want to come on, reach out. Yep. We, we want anybody to come on. That sounds like we're begging for, for people to come on the podcast. <laughs> we want anyone from any background to come on. Is basically what I'm saying. If you've got a view, you're happy to talk about it, and you're happy to debate, we want you on. Or if you disagree with us. Yeah, absolutely. Come on, just don't throw paint over us or soup um, or, or anything like that. We're not, we're not an Audi garage or a, a famous <laughs> painting. We are here just telling our views like you are. Um, now, we are going to be discussing news topics. Now, what I want to do is jump straight in because there is so much we can discuss um, every week. And just to prove that, this week, I've just picked a handful of headlines, a handful of stories which we could have discussed, and we are going to discuss some of them, from the chaos at Manston to the COP27 U-turn, Hancock signed up to armor celebrities, Stormont election planning, Elon buys Twitter, the absolute mayhem that's come with that, the confirmation of the planned strikes at Heathrow over the World Cup, North Korea sent 180 warplanes near the South Korean border, a British man, I think today, so we recorded on the Friday, guys, just so you know, so it will go out tomorrow, so very, very close. Um, today, after 411 days after getting COVID, he's now cured from it after a medical cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos is set to be sued by his former housekeeper. Yeah. He made them work 14 hours or something like that. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> uh, a Russian ambassador claimed he has evidence the UK special forces attacked Russia. Uh, FIFA tells the world to focus on football ahead of the moral questions ahead of this year's World Cup. The Pakistani former prime minister got shot mm. in the leg. With the cricketer. Um, some lighter stories for those who are listening who don't want to um, focus on the negative. Uh, a toddler got their head stuck in a, a training potty. 
I read, and uh, a firefighter had to have it removed, had to remove it from the head. Um, I'm sure we could have used the time better, maybe charge the parents for that. Uh, Will Ferrell is set to return as Elf in an Asda Christmas advert. Really? That's a score. That's a score I've for not Asda. Seen that. <laughs> and and the lightest story of them all, probably the most comedic one of all, is Donald Trump all but confirms he's running for president yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want to start, Mike? Well, um, let me let me say this to start with. Um, I am happy to entertain the Russian ambassador if they can produce evidence which is credible. Yeah, I'll leave that there. Um, let's start with Matt Hancock. I think everyone's talking about it. I I watched um, Question Time last night, and it was one of the main questions on there. Uh, it was actually the biggest, turned out being the biggest segment of the evening. Um, What's the biggest problem? Is it that a politician's going on a reality show, or is it that Matt Hancock is going on a reality show? I think there's 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 some there's branches that come off that question. I think. So this has happened before, um, probably on more occasions than what people might think it has. Let me stop you there. So that's the realities, the politicians on reality. Yes. So yes. I've got a list. Right. So on this list, it tells, so this is people who went on, the year yep. they went on, the show they went on, and they're, what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. So let's start with probably underneath Matt Hancock, the top one, it's Penny, Penny Morden. Yep. For 2014, went on Splash. Is it a reality show? Uh in the sense, probably yes, of what, of what it is. Um, more of a competition. Competition. Now game, leader of the house. Game show kind yeah. of thing, probably a combination of the two. I was filmed just down the road from where we're filming this podcast as well. Oh, okay. Splash. They built the whole new centre for it as well. Oh, wow. But yeah, so now leader of the house. Yep. Wasn't questioned at the time. Where it, wasn't, it wasn't a huge kickoff. I don't think. It was not, nothing on this scale. I, um, yeah, it wasn't. She got permission. And I think what might have helped her with the public, not necessarily her colleagues, but the public, is she got a £10,000 fee for doing it and she donated that back into a Lido, an outdoor swimming pool, in her local constituency and all, uh, well, part of it to that and also gave the rest to uh, a Royal Naval charity. She is called... She kept the quiet then. Yeah. So she, she kind of said, look, I, I want to do this. Uh, it was also a weekend thing. So she was still, she wasn't a million miles away. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. So Nadine Doris, I'm a celebrity too, 20, 2012. She had the whip suspended for six months. Uh, she also um, didn't tell the party mm. and she didn't declare the £82,000 fee she got for it. That's why she was in a bit of trouble rather yeah. than just going on the show. So not only did she not get permission, she went in parliamentary time of course it's filmed before the Christmas recess yep. um, which is an important point because uh, when I was talking to someone about this the other day and the way that I described it was it, it's a similar kind of line to teachers if you like they have set holidays during the year because obviously they have to be in school and children are at school because yep. that's their job MPs have recess time throughout the year um, which you could argue is ample time uh, six weeks in the summer yeah. is it? yeah Few weeks of Christmas. Although in the summer they are expected to be working in their constituency more. Yeah, especially yeah. with with what happened with with this um, this year, let's say, with the whole election campaign was taking place in the uh, in the recess. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Uh, interesting fact on that. Uh, so when Nadine Doris went in two thousand twelve, she had the whip taken away on her return. 
And the chief whip at the time was George Osborne, who went on to be Chancellor of the Exchequer. Under David Cameron. Yeah. So the next one was Lembit Opic. We'll all know him for maybe his relationship with one of the cheeky girls. Yes. Or if you're into politics as a liberal dem- former Liberal Democrat uh, member of Parliament. Uh, 2010, I'm a celebrity again. Clearly a popular one for politicians. I'm a celebrity. Um, Anne Widdicombe in Strictly in 2010. Um, now, uh, and, and Big Brother in 2018. Yeah. Now, also, p- perhaps, uh, just rewind slightly worth mentioning, Lembit Opic also did come down with me. Does that, and that's, that's across a few days as well, isn't it? That's not even yeah. just one, one evening. Yeah, but that, I think, uh, that was after his, his time his as a politician. Time, time as a politician, yeah. So, see, Anne Whittacombe did the two um, across eight years. I don't think she was in any seat in 2018. In 2010, she would have been, though. Um, as a conservative, obviously she yeah. didn't move and she went over to Change UK. Um, George Galloway, 2006, Big Brother. Uh, obviously, set to make its comeback. That's probably another one. That's probably another topic we're going to see about in about in about eight months' time. A politician, if it is another celebrity, Big Brother, very but very dangerous man. It was uh, and the very controversial things he did in the house as well. Mm. I I vividly remember, despite trying to erase it from my memory, <laughs> the I mean, so many people will. Remember this as soon as I say it. It's, it's freely available on YouTube. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a meme and a TikTok and whatever else as well. The uh, he was on all fours, wasn't he? I know what you're about uh, to say. Impersonating a cat. He was. He was doing it. He was doing the noises. He he was. Um, he was trying to mimic the behaviours of a cat. And then didn't he? Didn't he kiss or lick something? A handle. Um, it was. It was kiss or lick. I'm sure it was. Um, one of the actors that was in there from Coronation Street, I believe, who was in the lounge area with him at the time. And he then uh, licked some milk off a saucer as well, didn't he? Yes, yeah, that's, that's I mean, the I remember seeing. How, how does a guy go from being publicly... Respected? Is that the term? It, it begins with an R. <laughs> um, publicly racist, controversial. Um, I mean, the amount of times when... He, I mean, he did, I think he did a four-year stint as an MP. It might, it might have been a little bit longer than that, but um, he only served um, between two general two, elections. Yeah. The amount of times he got thrown out of the house. For, for yeah. n- he never abided by the rules. He, he was so controversial. He was always being asked. They get removed for the day's sitting, don't they? And I feel like with, with if you're a name after one term, it's either because you're making your way up the ladder very quickly or for the wrong reasons. <laughs> and Well... I don't think he was near the top. No. Uh, Michael Martin was the speaker at the time. Um, Scottish guy. Uh, he was Labour MP, I believe. And I remember one of the times he got thrown out of the house. Uh, and the speaker was trying his best to do his job. He was the most placid of speakers. Um, he never disrespected anybody. He never raised his voice like John Burko did or like Lindsay Hoyle does sometimes. Betty Boothroyd did. Um, never raised his voice. And George Galloway was shouting over him while he was trying to say, look, basically, I have no choice but to ask you to leave. George Galloway couldn't hear what he was being told, so he remained and carried on shouting until sort of some of the MPs around him were like, look. you got to go. Yeah. Who, who's, whose position is that to, for him to, or if Neil Lyon maybe have answered the same question there? Is it, is it the Whips? Is it the leader of the party? Well, How do you calm someone like that down? He was... I, if I remember rightly, this is going back some time now, he mm-hmm. wasn't an independent, 
he was the only MP from a party. So similar to um, the Green Party, they have one MP, the Brighton Pavilion, don't they? Yeah. So um, I'm not familiar with the setup of the party, but I don't know if if, if there's only one member, oh, right. do you have a chief whip? You don't need to. Are they the, they're technically the top of the party, aren't they? Exactly. So he was the only person in his party. So I don't think he had anybody to Speak out. He's probably yeah. the one above him. He's yeah. the only person. Yeah. He told himself how to vote, in essence, really. He didn't need a whip. Um, Ed Balls, 2017 Strictly. Um, position at the time would have been, thinking back now, what's that, five years ago? Was he in Parliament then? I don't think he was, because he lost his seat in the 2015. Well, prior was it 20? Brexit was 2016, so it would have been 2015. That's right, 2015, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, I believe that's when he lost his seat. One of Cameron's yeah. gains. Yeah. Um, and the one which I've left for last specifically, because we, we had a little conversation about this prior, and this one, when I mentioned his name, you were shocked, you didn't know who it was, oh, you know who he was, sorry, you knew who he was, but you didn't know what the programme was. Um, Michael Fabricant, the MP for Litchfield, uh, the yep. Conservative member, 2017 appeared on Celebrity First Dates. Did he didn't he find really? love. He didn't find Did love. Did he really? Um, his, his interviews on, on Sky and the BBC are very, uh, they're, they're good viewing. I always find they're good viewing. Yeah. He says what he wants to say. Yeah. He um, and he's not afraid to tell the journalists. He, he uh, one I watched quite recently. He was very straightforward. With the journalist saying, "Well, you, usually you ask a short question and give a long answer. Let, expect a long answer." He goes, "But if you're going to work this way, you want to give a long question. I want a short answer." Obviously, they have their little digs. This is around the whole Rishi appointment. Um, he's the same in the house, isn't he? Very, he is. very straight talking. He's never. He's not rude. No. Don't disrespect anybody. Very straight talking. Makes his point. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even class him as controversial. No, I don't think. Not no. He. No, not, nothing that springs to mind. Like something like that. Do you, do you think they'll be opposed? Obviously, he got. He would have got clearance for it because there wasn't. He didn't get the whip suspended or anything. So he would have got clearance for it. I think. See, this is only an assumption, of course. I don't know Michael Fabricant personally, obviously. From his character and how he portrays himself, I would have thought he would have got permission. Yeah, he would he would have gone through the correct channels. He's never somebody that's been in any controversy in Parliament or in Westminster in in the in the Conservative Party. I'm sure he did get permission. Um, and and considering what the program is, and it is it's not the sort of program you go on. You won't be talking politics. Yeah, at, at best they're going the the person he's opposite might ask him what he does for a job, and there might be a conversation about it. But it's not going to be it's not it's not reality TV. No. in the sense of I'm a celebrity as a being the prime example where you are exposed in a massive way. So he... No, I don't actually mind that. But I don't mind that. It would be the exposure of it or the the The, the, the programme he went on, first days. I, I don't mind that. At the end of the day, to to an extent, I, I think, um, and obviously we'll come on to this when we talk specifically about Matt Hancock, so I won't go into too much detail, but I think they are human and they are entitled to a personal life there is a line somewhere in the sand because they're in the highest office in the nation. They are serving their constituents. So I think the line has to be drawn somewhere. I don't think they should cross it. I think Celebrity First Dates is the right side of that line because he is a human. He's entitled to date. He's yeah. entitled to have a partner. What, 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 what constitutes as the line, though? 
because if celebrity first dates, you'd imagine they'd get paid for because yep. it's celebrities. Yeah. Um, the question you would have seen on the question time, as you mentioned prior, was um, are politicians celebrities? That's what someone threw. Um, so does he fall under that category? Um, obviously, now we know that there is a budget and probably 50% is spent on the two highest people and then the rest is spent on lower. Obviously, no disrespect. They will know that they're not... Um, the, why people are tuning in essentially or why the majority of people are tuning in yeah but where does it draw the line do you do you say yes if you're doing this for love and not for money because then you donate your money to your charities as an mp you've got charities um or do you do it for the money and that's okay because you get paid as it is i think uh this probably brings us into the whole matt hancock situation thing because the line in the sand with what Matt Hancock has done. Has done. Um, actually, just be before I do that, because it's relevant to the argument I'm going to make, so um, just a couple of token mentions of uh, others that have appeared on Grand TV. Funnily enough, the same year on I'm a Celebrity, Stanley Johnson and Kezia Dugdale. So Stanley Johnson was an MEP uh, and a Tory. Kezia Dugdale, Labour... Uh, Scottish Labour, Scottish MP, Holyrood. Um, now, this actually came up on BBC's Question Time last night because uh, Chris Phelp, uh, Chris Philp, sorry, was the Tory MP and he straight away fired back at the Labour MP who was on Question Time and said, well, didn't Kezia Dugdale do this in uh, 2017? Of course, Labour MP straight away and rightly so said, well, yes, and that was wrong as well. I'm not condoning it. Yeah. It was in constituency time. Um, although, strictly speaking, she answers to Scottish Parliament because of uh, the constituency she represents, etc., etc. But it was still wrong. It doesn't. It, it's not relevant to a party. The difference being with this, I think there's two main factors for me personally. Um, his party are in government. Naturally, that's going to be highlighted even more because his party are in government. This is Matt Hancock. Yeah, and he was a former House Secretary in the middle of the pandemic. So people know him. That's it was still under always, review now. Yeah, it was always going to be in the spotlight for that reason. So, question then: the, we go to the recess points where they should go on to um, it, it, on their holidays and their breaks. Boris has spent two, maybe three weeks in the Caribbean, or was planning to. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between Boris Johnson spending three weeks in the Caribbean, and Matt Hancock spending three weeks in the jungle? Um, Except from four hundred thousand pounds. Well. There is that, and that's obviously a major factor because he's also going to take his parliamentary salary. Yeah. Now, I, I've, I've always been a firm believer that regardless of what job you're in, and obviously we're talking about politicians right now, of course you're entitled to annual leave. I know that there'll be some people listening to this that might be self-employed. It's a bit more diff It's different for them. It's a bit more difficult. I get that. Generally speaking, in this country, employment law, you're entitled to leave. Yeah. Should that be different for MPs? Probably not. So, to answer your question, Boris Johnson arguably was on leave. He was on holiday with his family. He was on leave. Um, I don't know how their leave system works. I said earlier, I I believe it probably should be something similar to teachers. You sit during certain periods for a very good reason. Teachers should be in school when the children are at school, etc., etc. However, I think there is a sticking point for Boris Johnson because um, he had been Prime Minister for you know three or so, three or so years. Um, 
which is obviously a very taxing job, very difficult job. And at the end of that, there is possibly an argument that even though you get your recesses, even though their annual leave system might work completely different to uh, the private sector, is he entitled to a few weeks off? It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Possibly. Some people argue yes. Some people say absolutely not. And I, I, I can see both sides of that argument. But he did. I don't have a major issue with that. Simply, regardless of what you think of him, regardless of whether you're a fan or not, he just come out of office and he took a few weeks off. Does it also benefit the fact that he does do that? Because he, I mean, compared to other prime ministers, he is quite a significant figure. Cameron stepped back. He, he completely stepped back. Theresa May stepped back to be an MP. Um, but he was a very... Um, uh, it was for, for a lot of people, he was the face of the pandemic. Mm. He was the one you saw every single day on that television. Um, and I know we had the, the health um, uh, advisors there as well. But he was the one leading the country and making those final decisions, essentially. Mm. So him now taking a step back, is that a sign to respect to his trust? For him going, look, I know I was very... That people put my... That when they think of Prime Minister, they think of Boris Johnson. Um, so is that him going, I'm going to step back to allow you to do your job? Or do you think nothing like that's even crossed his mind? Because hmm. as soon as he come back, he was the headlines again. Yeah. Um, I think his character and the character that he has proved himself as well, this isn't the first example. I think that he has got a long-term game. He wants to be back in frontline politics. Whether he can achieve that or not, who knows? I think he did come back from his holiday in the Dominican Republic, I think, um, with the intention of um, a leadership bid. For whatever reason, that didn't happen. There was allegedly these meetings with Rishi Sunak where they Any, were yeah. potentially trying to come to some sort of arrangement. Whether that happened or not, who knows? None of them had denied it. Um, and then all of a sudden it wasn't happening. Now, the night that he was pictured flying back from his holiday, his sister was on TV and she was asked... Um, and that's Rachel Johnson. Yeah. A few hours ago, your brother's been pictured flying back. Obviously, Liz Truss has resigned today. This, this was the day that she resigned. Um, is he going to be um, putting a leadership bid forward? She basically said, um, even if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. Um, and I respect that. Yep. I respect that. That would be the wrong thing to do. Um, but it's fair and safe to say that she was not keen on the idea. She was pushed on it and pushed on it and pushed on it. She didn't want to talk about it initially, but after being pushed on it a few times, she did say in as many words, I don't think that would be the right thing for the country. Yeah. Not in those exact words, but... when On the on the Boris subject, well, we'll get back to Matt Hankel shortly, when he came back, there was, like you say, he was coming back for that reason. There was no other reason. Um, the fact that he had the supposed 102 votes, and it was confirmed by um, the 1922 that he did have those votes. And since then, substantially more, supposedly, enough to challenge. Um, a Bontori members, you, um, polls were coming out saying that he would have won a, um, if it had gone, um, but he didn't do it for a divided party. Is that because a Boris Johnson wants to um, lead for the masses, um, and couldn't necessarily swing a general election with a 55-45 split uh, against Rishi Sunak? Or is that Boris Johnson going, there's been too much controversy? 
let Rishi do what he's got to do. He he knows Rishi. He's worked with him for, for what, 24, 30 months nearly. Mm. Um, let him do what he's got to do because he can do it. And then when the time's right again for me. The, the, the issue is for me, for the last one, that doesn't seem Boris characteristic. However, I genuinely believe there are two Borises. The one that the public see and the one that makes the public see that one, if that makes yeah. sense. For me, um, I think, I agree with you, I think he has looked at it and thought, this this isn't the right time. That That's the one part of a lot of things that he said recently that I believe, that he does believe that it's not the right time for him now. Um, which says to me he's he, there is going to be a time. Yeah, he will have his own reasons, which will differ from the public's view as to why it's not the right time, because a lot of the public don't want him back at all. Some do, of course. Um, what I think was poignant this week was I've been running talking a matter of days between him flying back from his holiday, yeah. the day she resigned, by the way, flying back from his holiday, uh, getting 102 people to back him, which he would have had to have some input on. That, that, oh, does, yeah. that doesn't just happen. Well, there, there was so he was going to um, he was going to enter that race to be the leader. Yeah. Thirdly. Um, he then says, this isn't the right time for me. Whatever his reasons might be or his motives, that's for him. And then, within a matter of days of that, he's doing an exclusive interview on Sky News talking about Ukraine, which is completely irrelevant to anything to do with the leadership bid. Yeah. Now, what I found interesting about that was towards the end of the interview, they, they had spoken about Ukraine quite a lot, and there's absolutely no doubt, like him or hate him, um, we were one of the first countries to support Ukraine and we've done an awful lot for them. And I know that Zelensky is a fan. Yeah, and incredibly grateful for what Boris Johnson did. And he still speaks about Boris Johnson now. I, I yeah. saw him talking he, about him He's been invited week. down. That interview yeah. said he's been invited already yeah. over. So, However, uh, Mark Austin on Sky News was very clever. Because towards the end of the interview, he used a bit of time to ask him about leadership bid, his future. Uh, are you disappointed not to be... Uh, frontline politics anymore and after a, a few attempts at trying to get an answer Boris sort of said to him Mark yep. you, I, I came on here because you said we were talking about Ukraine so he wouldn't give a straight answer but he was also kind of saying hey come on I didn't come on here to talk about that and I'm not going to talk about it because I think if he did it puts him straight back in that limelight again yeah. so many if, stories if, if he feels it's not the right time for him he needs to step back from that if he's going to make a bid again in the future, yeah. I think he will, personally, then it's not right to be talking about it now, especially when we've got our third Prime Minister in two months, yeah, just over two months. Which I think as well, yeah, like you say, for the, for the party's sake as well, he the minute he starts talking about his future as a Prime Minister or potentially a Prime Minister, he undermines Rishi Sunak. We've, we've got off topic a little bit. So Matt Hancock, um, he said to the Sun newspaper when asked about going into Thomas Silver, he said... Yeah. It's our jobs as politicians to go where the people are, not sit in ivory towers in Westminster. The truth is I haven't lost my marbles or had one too many pina coladas. Like you, politicians are human with hopes and fears and normal emotions, just like everyone else. Where better to show the human side of those who make these decisions um, than the most watched program on television? There are those shows that people get their news from, brilliant shows like This Morning, Loose Women, Gogglebox, it's popular TV shows like this, and I'm a celebrity, of course, that help deliver important messages to the masses. Rather than looking down on reality TV, we should see it as what it is, a powerful tool 
to get our message heard by the younger generation. Reality TV is a very different way to communicate with the electorate. It's both honest and unfiltered. Very questionable, that point there for me. Um, he finishes with, I want to raise the profile of my dyslexia campaign to help dyslexic um, every dyslexic child unleash their potential, even if it means taking the unusual route to get there via the Australian jungle. I'm a celebrity is watched by millions of Brits up and down the country. I want to use this incredible platform to raise awareness so no such child leaves primary school not knowing they if they have dyslexia. Okay. Um, I'll come back on the dyslexia point straight away. Um, so I've I've seen that statement, and yeah. I that's not the only place he's mentioned that as well. He has mentioned it a few times. What bigger place to raise awareness of something like that than in the House of Commons where you work, where you can change the law, change the legislation, raise awareness, have debates, get bills through Parliament, but instead, he wants to go all the way around the other side of the world for up to three weeks to do what he is paid to do at home. Yeah, Is, is he trying to become a celebrity? Do you believe that? That, well, I think what he did when he was health secretary, when he was caught on CCTV um, kissing one of his staff wasn't it yeah um i think that probably made him i don't want to use the word celebrity but a household name yeah more than famous i don't know famous is a better word to use not celebrity but um he obviously didn't want that to happen he didn't want to get caught but he did um is he now trying to become a celebrity i think you could argue he probably is um he must have known he was going to lose the whip because he didn't get the permission to go. Yeah. Um, they have standards to uphold. Um, let's not, let's not get on that subject. His political has got to be on the line. Absolutely. So, so Is this him giving up politics? That's the point I'm getting to. So there is going to be a general election within two years. Could be before, but ultimately no, no, no more than two years' time. So is he now thinking... Is he going to do a George Osborne, a Rory Stewart? Is he going to now leave politics and go into another line of work? Um, I think yes. Is this the start of it? I just don't think he's gone about it the right way. Interestingly enough, Peter Kyle was a Labour MP on Question Time last night. Uh, and I don't know whether this was um, uh, placement by the BBC. Peter Kyle also has dyslexia. Okay. And the subject of Matt Hancock was quite a big one on Question Time last night, as I mentioned earlier. Understandably. Now, when um, Chris Phelps said, whilst we don't support it, we don't agree with it, um, there is a degree of understanding as to the reasons why Matt Hancock wants to go out there and the awareness he wants to raise for dyslexia and, and, and whatever. And uh, Peter Carl straight away said, well, I actually find that quite insulting. Because there are, and he, and he touched on what I touched on. You, you can do that in Parliament. That's our job. You know, you've got a, 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 a prime stage to be able to do that in the House of Commons. Uh, and he said, look, um, if, if that's his reason, then we have to believe him. But um, I find that quite insulting that he's using that as his, as, as his excuse to go there. If that was his reason, he should have said that straight away, and he didn't. He, he came out with that a few days later. How does he bring up the subject how does he really bring focus on it because let's face it he but the one point i i brought up on is when he said it's honest and unfiltered 
they're in there 24 hours we get to see 60 minutes at most probably of footage they've got live things they've got trials we don't see everything that goes on itv are either going to decide that they're gonna everything that matt hancock says is going to be about dyslexia and anytime they put him in there it's about that or they're going to get what people want to see and that's no disrespect to people with dyslexia but if it's constant like that it's it doesn't bring up the campaign it's just constantly talking about it yeah i i think it'll be very different when he's actually in there i don't think he's not going to sit there all day talk about it no that's 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 just not that's not natural behavior anyway um there's a lot more to that tv show anyway and i'm sure a lot of people that will listen to this podcast know what the program is about yeah i think what you might find and i don't necessarily condone this uh, and, and i'll tell you why in a second I think because of who he is, the way it's come about, uh, his profile in Parliament, because of what he did during the pandemic, and the rules that he broke, uh, and the fact that it's fair to say that the Tories aren't particularly popular at the moment, um, even amongst some of their voters. He technically isn't a Tory right now. That is true. (laughs) However, I don't think many people see it that way. No, 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 of course. People know him as a Tory, don't they, at the end of the day. I think you will find he is going to get voted to do most, if not all, of those Bush Tucker trials in there. Now, to come back to the point that I, I said I don't necessarily condone this, regardless of what I think of him as a uh, as an MP, I've already said in this episode, there is a human element as well. They are human beings. Some people might want to argue that, but that is a fact. And he touches upon that in, in that Exactly. Segment. Gillian, Gillian McKeith. McKeith. Gillian McKeith. The year that she did it, um, she was voted to the vast majority of the trials yeah. while she was in there. It made her ill. I know some people thought she was faking illness and whatever, and that's perhaps up for debate. But I think there comes a point, Lady C being another example, although I think she brought some of that upon herself, or actually it was actually dis- it was disgusting, but it's the same principle. I think you're, you're, you're coming right up to the line, possibly crossing the line of bullying on live TV. Is that the public voting them? Yes. Okay. So... I'm not suggesting one second that people sat at home and they're voting because they are a bully as an individual. Yeah. As as a as a group of people, every single night voting for the same person to a troll. What your when it's a one off or when it's a few times or even a handful of times across the whole series, yeah. that's fine. You go in there and you expect to do a few trials, maybe a handful of trials, maybe a half a dozen. To do every one, I think it gets to the point where after five or six occasions, people are. All are probably not even putting much thought into it and thinking, I don't like him or I hate him or he was a dick for what he did or whatever it might be and they just go, Matt Hancock or Lacey or who was it last year? Um, they kept screaming, didn't they? And everything. Yeah, it was the guy, the DJ. can't remember his name. Um, yep, yeah, a naughty boy. That's it. Yeah. Same thing. He got quite upset about it. Um, he, he was brought to tears on live TV over it. I, th- I think there's a human element here as well does Matt Hancock's not he's not a silly man he he will know that I mean people could vote him to do that all these meats are meats that can be digested by the human body that they eat right whether um I, I'm sure you you probably when they come onto it but the um the deputy chair for West Suffolk Conservative Party and the um Drummond said I'm looking forward to him eating a kangaroo penis quote me you can quote me on that so I mean, the political side of it, you can you can make of that what you will. Yeah. But 
he could go in there and he might not be scared of bugs. He might love spiders, love snakes. So it doesn't actually affect him that much. And what, one thing I mentioned earlier is it's been confirmed he is going to be getting £400,000, which is one of the highest earners. Yeah. I believe only Boy George is, is higher on, on this series. Ever, yeah, ever. That's a lot of there. money. I think Noel Edmonds got about 400000 Yeah, and that's and Harry Redknapp yeah. uh, around the same sort of figure. But let's not forget as well, I think something that is relevant here, and I know this is pissing a lot of people off, uh, is that not only is he getting paid a large amount, one of the biggest amounts ever for that series, you can also argue, because it's in the public domain, he's in that bracket of a high earner as well as an MP. Yep. He's, he's not going on there as somebody who's out of work or struggling for cash. You know, I think there is a... Um, there's a point of principle as well when it comes to the money. I heard one person say, um, I don't really care if he does it, it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me, but if he's doing it, I think he should sacrifice his salary while he's out there. For 400000 I imagine he won't have an issue with that, though. Was it eight to two thousand for an MP on something average, like something that. like that? Yeah. So for four hundred thousand, I imagine it's not going to be. Um, you mentioned about the trials. He is actually the bookie's favourite to do the most trials across the series. That doesn't surprise me. But we see it with the people on there as well. I mean, the the two points I want to make. The first one is the people who get voted in the first two weeks when the public are voting. Um, when it comes to them choosing themselves who does the trials rather than people voting out, they um. The, the people are, oh, I haven't done one yet. I haven't done one yet. You've been in there two yeah, weeks and you haven't and done changes. a trial. Or they yeah. haven't done it since the first yeah. day. Uh, Nadine Doris did a lot of trials um, and she was the first voted out. I think that's widely expected of Matt Hancock this time around. Yeah. Unless the public can still vote for the trials in. The second one is about the money side of it, like you mentioned. Um, I always find it very odd that, like you say, we're currently in a cost of living crisis. One of the worst recessions ever where we're about to approach the Bank of England and kind of confirm. And it always amazes me how we as as people like or can accept and watch and, and encourage. Celebrities go on programmes, they get paid for it. It's completely fake. Mm. Civilians go on programmes, do not get paid for it, and fight for money, yeah. essentially. Yeah. That's crazy. It's mm. a very good point. And they've got to take time off work, and they don't get paid for it. Yeah. Let's face it, Matt Hancock... Um, whether or not he does or not, he gets four hundred thousand. I mean, the most you're going to win on a, a show these days, unless it's the um, new Ant and Deck one, is probably what a hundred k, and that's if you don't get anything wrong at all. It, it is great. I know. It, I know it brings in the viewership, and I know people love watching their celebrities and that eat this sort of stuff. But let's face it, it's habitable environment they live in. Obviously, they wouldn't survive. It wouldn't be legal yeah. doing it, and it's great. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the show. I like. I'm a celebrity. There's nothing wrong with the show, the concept, or anything like that. I just feel that it's. Um, there's, there's no alternative where civilians who pay to vote, I don't know if you pay anymore, I think it's an app, but they get advertisements on the app. So you're, you become the product again. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, your civilians who go on there, even like Big Brother, they go on there to battle for 100,000 at the end of the of the, the, the three months they spend in there. And then the four weeks the celebrities go in there for, they're all getting at least double that probably for their time in there. Yeah. It's just crazy that we consume that. We, we allow that to happen. There's a couple of points I want to come back on. So you, you, Nadine Dorries, who went in 2012, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was controversial. She didn't get permission. We've already said about this. She lost the whip when she came back for around about six months. Fast forward four, five, six years. She's in the cabinet. She's got high-profile positions. Um, she served under more than one prime minister, I believe. I believe that's correct. 
Um, yep. Now it's seen as a household name in politics, albeit hanging off of Boris Johnson's coattails. That's another conversation. Um, but you could argue that although at the time it was the wrong thing to do and, and she was rightly punished for it, could you argue, perhaps a rhetorical question again, that it actually progressed her political career? Because it didn't harm her yeah. when she became more of a household name. Secondly, um, you mentioned about um, the, the trials and Rippy's favourite and all that sort of thing. I think um, if I was working for ITV now, I would be trying not... Uh, let me reword that. There's a very fine line, I think, between the reason he has publicly stated he's going in there for now, to raise awareness of a disability, yep. and being voted to do every trial. And I think there's a little grey area between those two now where ITV needs to be a little bit careful that they're not seen as punishing or, or bullying somebody who has said, I'm going in there for this reason. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. The... Um the chances of him being eligible for every trial, I imagine, will be pretty fine. Yeah. For ITV. Yeah. So, yeah, he could be put forward because you do get sometimes where people physically can't do a trial. Yeah. Which now, there's there's questions as well around, well, why has he not just been sacked? Why have they not just sacked him as an MP? Yeah. Well, there's a variety of reasons for that. Yeah, I've seen call for by-elections. Yeah, you, you've obviously got um, parliamentary legislation around the voting system and, and, and how that works. You get voted in, you get voted out. Yeah. It's not... Necessary job where you are fired and hired in in the sense that you would be in the private sector. Also, under Tory party rules, there are very clear guidelines as to dismissing an MP. Um, full stop. From you know, not just suspending the whip, dismissing an MP, them losing their job and triggering a by election, uh, being convicted of a crime. Um, but I believe it has to be uh, meet a certain threshold, like a, a sentence or fine or, or whatever. Um, not, not a ten thousand pound fine for a party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, su- uh, suspended by the standards committee for ten or more days, uh, but then it goes back to the Tory party and they can decide if now that's it, a suspension where you can't partake in any yeah political duties. Yeah. But so suspending of the whip is something just for those listening is something different. Mm. Um, you essentially act as an independent, but if you are like Matt Hancock, I'd imagine is yeah. loyal to. Loyal quotation marks to his party, he probably will um, uh, remain under their kind of manifesto. There's a few other uh, other other guidelines as well, which you know I don't need to go into huge detail. But the point I'm making is, as things stand, he doesn't fall into any of those. What he's done in some people's eyes is wrong, but he doesn't fall into any of those categories under Tory party rules. So they can't dismiss him. The standards committee might look at it. Um, is that not uh, Chris Bryant at the moment? Yeah, chair of the standards committee, Labour MP. I believe so at the moment. Yeah. Um, so time time will tell on that. But if if we're looking back through history, it's not none, none of these MPs that have been on reality TV while serving before has been reviewed by the standards committee for whatever reason. So it's unlikely that's going to happen. One. So before before we wrap this this specific topic up, I want to ask you one uh, question before before the final one, and that is, does Matt Hancock have to come out of the jungle if something major happens in his constituency because they're not meant to have anything, any communication with the outside world except from Antidet going in, supposedly, as, as we get it's portrayed to us. If a major incident happens in his constituency, 
is he does he have something in his contract or should he have something in his contract that says you've got to get him on the first man back? Uh, I'll take that a step further. So yes, um, because ultimately there's not really anybody representing him. Unless I'm mistaken, I've certainly not seen anybody say you know, and because he's independent now, yeah, before a party wash their hands of it. Yep. So yes is the answer. I would also argue that if something has happened nationally, um, that could be anything from Russia to uh, a terrorist attack on the capital, wh- whatever it might be, whatever it might be, and I hope to God none of those things happen. But for the for the sake of argument, then yes, he should come back because. There are certain matters that they deal with as politicians which should be dealt with across the house um, and they should all be there. And this is exactly why he shouldn't go in parliamentary time. Because if that happens, I mean, you're you're even looking at, if, God forbid, something like that did happen, he's not even going to be back for two days at best. They've got to get him out, they've got to fly him back. That's a 24-hour flight. They do a whole coming out show and everything, don't they? They're a week before, and I believe a week after. I think it's like a whole five-week period. Yeah, they're now. In Australia. Yeah, they're now. Yeah. I believe that when they released that statement, he was almost switching off his devices away from the outside. Yeah, you're looking at about five weeks. Yeah. And the, the only and then he'll go straight into recess, by the way. He needs a break. No, he's, he's just spent five weeks in, or three weeks in the Australian jungle. <laughs> the, the, the final is question. There, is there a similarity <laughs> there between uh, Boris Johnson's Reign as Prime Minister and Matt Hancock spending three weeks in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> probably, to be fair, probably less to do over there, right? Easier, easier, um, easier work. I jest, of course. He, um, would it be long? No, no, it won't be. I was about to say, would his stint in Australia be longer than he just trusts us in number oh. 10? But, um, final question on this topic, Mike. Will you be voted for Matt Hancock to win? No. Will you be voting for any trials? Uh, possibly. Although what I I always try whenever I watch it, and I do watch it every year. Um, so I didn't vote. I, a prime example, I didn't vote for Naughty Boy last year. Everyone else was doing that. I was getting bored of seeing them do the trials. Some people were entertained by the screaming and the crying, and that entertains some people. It doesn't entertain me. I like to see different people do it. I, li- I like to see a variety. Yeah, yeah. Seeing the same thing every night is not entertaining for me. I think he's going to be doing them most nights. To me, that's not necessarily entertaining. Yeah, all right. The yeah. first couple will be... Yeah. yeah, 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 I'm all for that. But um, as a point of principle, I won't be voting for him to win the show, no. I think he should be back here doing the job that he's paid to do by us. Will you be voting for him to come out early then? Technically... That argument wouldn't go hand in hand because they do stay out there. He gets a two-week holiday yep. in, in Australia. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you've, you've kind of answered the question in a sense because even if I vote for him to come out... Uh, you wouldn't be doing it for that reason. I, I think the first person who comes out after about 10 or 14 days, yeah. um, he's still going to be out there for the remainder of the show and then the, the, the post-show party and all that press and stuff they have to do. So if I knew I was voting for him to come back and do his job, out probably, Australia. yeah. But I think it's irrelevant. I think it's irrelevant because ultimately I know that even if I do that, he's still going to be out there until uh, the end of the production, if you like, and then he goes straight into recess anyway. So uh, irrelevant. Um, and this is the fourth final question that I'm going to throw your way. <laughs> do Alan Deck bear any responsibility for pulling a, a an MP, a sitting MP who had a high-profile job just earlier this year, out of his constituency and out of the government? No, absolutely not. No. They are the hosts of the show 
but it's, it is their show. They, they are the producers. They are, they, they, I believe, are quite heavily involved with trying to get guests on. I could be completely wrong, and Alan Deck, I send my sincerest apologies. My mum absolutely loves you both. Um, but yeah, do they, um, do they bear no responsibility at all? Uh, personally, no, unless someone wants to correct me that they are, that they are first hand involved in getting those people on the show. I, and, it, and it's only an assumption, would assume that they're not. Um, I understand that they are named as producers. My interpretation of that is they are producers of the live show, of what goes out on TV, etc., etc., not of who they get on the show. I'd be surprised if they were involved in negotiations with celebrities coming... No, I'm going to use the word celebrity. I don't think he is, but you know what I mean. Yep. Getting guests on the show... Um, and get involved in contracts and payments, and I'll be very surprised. That's a better word, contestants. Yeah. I'll be very surprised. So I'm going to say no. Okay, but if they were involved, yes. I'll be disappointed, to be honest, uh, because I think the nation's um, portrayal of those two, I mean, they're held in high regard by me yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I don't know anybody in any of my circles that don't like them. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's many people that, they very rarely get criticism. They very rarely get neg- negative press. They've won dozens and dozens of awards. I'd be disappointed if they were involved in any way. Yeah. So um, I want to move on now from the Matt Hancock. Um, I want to talk about Elon Musk. Uh, whoever, whether you like him, hate him, um, buy his shares, his Dogecoin, whatever it is, he is a figure that is very prominent in our world. The world's richest man. Firstly, what are your thoughts? I ask you that question whilst you're taking a sip of water. That's fine. Um, on the man himself, not on not on the topic of him oh, okay. buying Twitter. Okay, so so this is a guy who um, sold, I believe it was PayPal, yeah. to eBay uh, quite a while ago. We, we're talking probably around the twenty year mark now that yeah. that happened. And he got a considerable amount of money for it. Billions, not billions. 1.5, I believe. Yeah. Which he had to split. That was his second company he sold as well. He sold, uh, I think it was X.com or something like that. I don't, yes. I don't know what they did. Yes. But he sold them for a few a few yes. hundred mil. That's right. Now, a, a, a lot of people, um, maybe even me, if it was me, a lot of people would have said, right, I'm going to take a considerably early retirement. 1.5 yeah. billion is more than enough to see me through life. Obviously, you've got interest on that. And you might want to invest some of it, whatever you decide to do. Um, instead, he invested in SpaceX, uh, Tesla. I think there was one other company as well. Which He's um, got the, um, the Neuralink and the Boring Company. Yes. There is other companies. Yes. Um, and spent the vast majority of that money that he got from selling PayPal to invest in those three companies. To the point where I read that he he, he spent all of it, and ha- this could be wrong, but he had to sleep on a friend's couch because he couldn't make rent. Okay. I've not heard that. But, yeah. I mean... It, does, it doesn't surprise... When I read it, it didn't yeah, surprise me a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, from that, from that perspective alone, um, I've got a lot of respect for him. Um, he could have put his feet up for the rest of his life. Yep. Bought himself a yacht, lived wherever he wanted in the world, had whatever he wanted. I mean, we're talking like 2002, 2003, 1.5 billion. Yeah. It might not cut it as much now as what it did then. It's still a considerable amount of money. He invested it all, decided to carry on 
working his nuts off and build these three companies and arguably has built them. He's now the richest man in the world. Yep. Now he's got Twitter uh, for a considerable amount of money. I think which took his valuation down by 10 billion yep. at the time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of controversy around it, let's put it that way. I'm sure we're about to come on to it. Why do you think he brought it? Well, that, that depends. That depends if you believe his reasons for buying it. Yeah. Or if you decide to form your own opinion based on his actions since the day he bought it. Because he, he said he didn't buy it to make money. He's brought it for humanity, I think, is, is the exact statement that he released. Well, my immediate response to that is, if you bought it for humanity, why, and this is perhaps a question to him, we're probably not going to get an answer, why, if it's for humanity reasons, did you sack the entire board, some of whom were responsible for the safeguarding, uh, for you know international safeguarding as well? Um, they had policies in place for um, hate speech and, and hate crimes and, and uh, appropriate posts and videos, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They're gone. Yeah. So, so what? What's your answer to that now? What What's your solution to that? Because those people are now gone. You've also today told people, don't come into work and we'll drop you an email to let you know if you've still got a job. Now, that's only one side of the story. Yeah. So the internal memo, I've actually got a copy of the internal memo here. It said, in an effort to place Twitter on a healthy path, we will go through the difficult process of producing our global workforce on Friday. We recognise that this will impact the number of individuals who have made valuable contributions to Twitter, but this action is unfortunately necessary to ensure the company's success moving forward. If you are in office or on your way to an office, please return home. Now, NBC having has interviewed someone since um, since the, he acquired the company in, on the 27th of October, and they were reported said it's total chaos, house is melting down, everyone's looking to, towards this email. Now, I've I've got reports um, which which have been confirmed by. I say hierarchy at Twitter, the hierarchy they're in place. There's 8,000 workers roughly globally. He wants to cut 4,000 jobs. He wanted to cut 75%, so an extra 2,000 um, jobs on top. Um, he wants to slash the payroll bill by £715 million by the end of next year. If it's not about the money, what is it about? Well, I... I I'm not going to go deep into the subject that I'm just about to reference, but it, it, it's relevant and it's something that people understand. In recent times, we have taken police off the streets, we've taken nurses out of hospitals, and we have seen in this country what that's done to our police force and to our NHS. And less about that right now, the better. I'm sure that will probably be a topic in, in yeah. the podcast. The same going to happen on Twitter. This, this is why people are now getting concerned about the number of uh, offensive, inappropriate messages and, and videos that are getting posted because you've got less people to monitor it. Unless he's going to come out very soon with some wacky plan as to how he's going to um, continue to move things forward and do it for humanity and all the you know these lovely words he keeps coming out with. Yeah. I don't see how he is going to be able to maintain a safe social media platform if he's going to half the workforce. Um, he's already sacked the board, as we've already touched on. Some of those people were responsible at a high level for 
the behaviour of their users. You suspended the likes of Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm, I, and it's widely rumoured, and he's not denied it. In fact, I remember when this first started, uh, that he said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to put a bid in for Twitter, I'm going to employ it. He said himself that he was prepared to give Donald, Char- uh, Donald Trump a second chance. He said that. Well, I believe that he wants to create a platform where they don't get banned, essentially. It's a free speech platform. Now, you touched on safety, and I want to go back to that point, because safety on Twitter for high-profile figures such as celebrities like Matt Hancock, um, he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, they have blue ticks. Yep. Now, in America, um, I don't think it's like the, in the UK, if they're running for office, if they're, this is political, or if they're a politician, they have up there politician or running for office or running for congress whatever it might be in the uk i think it's just a blue tick i don't actually think you've got um and everywhere else in the world i don't think you've got um a thing like that but it's an american company you can understand that but verified people have blue ticks for the safety of their followers their fans to make sure that you aren't going on as as a as a boris johnson impersonator or, or anyone impersonator putting out stuff that's absolutely fake he's changing that he tweeted um just a couple of days ago um Twitter's current lords and peasant system for who has or doesn't have blue check marks is bullshit. Power to the people, blue for $8 a month. He said the cost would be adjusted by the country proportionate to the purchasing power uh, parity um, and the monthly fee uh, users will get priority in replies, mentions in searches, that sort of stuff. Um, and he will bypass a paywall for publishers that are willing to work with him. That isn't safe, surely. Well, I think Stephen King was one of the first ones to come out and say, uh, basically, goodbye, everybody. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm off of Twitter now. Uh, and in, in an interview, he, he, you know, he sort of said, uh, it's not the issue of paying £8 or, or $8, whatever it is, for the blue tick. As you've already just said in your previous uh, comments, it's there, not for everyone to see that I'm a celebrity or I'm famous, it's there for everybody's protection because yeah. scammers exist now, whether it is through Twitter or banking systems, whatever it might be, scammers exist. And people have used social media platforms to scam general members of the public through fake accounts. That was That is one of the prime reasons why the blue tick is there, so that you know that person is real. It's for everyone's protection, not just that person. And it's something that is... Not uh, obviously the social media sites, uh, Twitter, and so you have Instagram and, and Facebook joined by Meta, but they all adopt that blue tick. Yeah. So it clearly means something. So by putting it up for sale, you could you could be anyone and you could buy it. Coming back to the money issue as well, he keeps saying it's not about money. He's cutting the workforce, which is going to save money. Yeah. He said that himself. Um, he is introducing this fee for the blue tick to raise money, which he said himself, and he was quoted yesterday saying something on the lines of um, Twitter doesn't pay for itself. But if it's not about the money, mate. Yeah. And he's also uh, he's also been speaking a lot about the advertisers and mm. the fact that there's been like a, a mutiny against them to, um, to for advertisers he's putting out. But he also, when, when questioned about the money side of things, he said it's not about the money, it's about making Twitter the product again, not the user the product. Because obviously if you're using it and it's, and you're, it's free essentially, um, you become the product, they're making money off you. Um, he uh, just going back to what he had said. He goes, he didn't buy the company. His exact words were, he didn't buy the company to make more money, but to try to make uh, to help humanity, whom I love. Um, 
there's a there's a campaign on Twitter from Twitter staff on Twitter, ironically, um, with hashtag one team. Just lost access to my Twitter email. Um, he also going back to the emails as well. Um, if you are sacked, you will get an email to your personal email as you will no longer have access to your work email. Yeah. And if you've got the job, you will get the email to your work email. Do you think this is Elon Musk craziness going to pay off again? Or do you think it's just going to... Do you think this, is, this could be the time where someone federal has to step in and... and I think that's a huge danger, especially the... Uh, um, if you look back through American history, recent history, um, certain situations, which won't go into, but I, I think he is probably going to end up with people looking into him, even potentially the government. Yeah. Um, there's a huge argument for mistreatment of staff here as well. Um, I think one of the things... One of the things that I find really dangerous, um, I don't think he sees it as dangerous at all. Uh, he's now the sole director of Twitter. Sole board member. Yep. So he's got nobody advising him. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, you or anybody listening, he's got no experience running a social media platform at all, other than his That's own account. Knowledge. Other than his own account. He's now the sole director. Nobody advising him. Uh, no one around him with any experience of, of running a social media company uh, and he's now making all the decisions on his own without anybody to say, well, hold on a second. Yeah. Why do you think that's the right thing to do? Why don't we do it this way? What, what you know? I have never, ever heard of a situation where 4,000 4, people are about to get sacked by email. Globally. Not even to their work email address or, or anything employment related is going to go to their personal email address. I mean, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. The there, there's, there, again, there's a human element here. You're dealing with people, you know? We're, we're, we're also in, he, he's, he's portrayed himself in the past as, and I'll, I'll use the word humanity again. It's a word that he's used in the past as well. Um, he, he loves humanity, he loves the world, um, he's all for green and Tesla electric cars and, and whatever else. We're, we are, without doubt, uh, highly likely to go into a global recession as well. Yeah. And he's about to lay 4,000 people off. Is that not a humanity issue? I think it is. There are people who argue that he isn't for humanity by going wanting to go to Mars and colonise Mars. So he's a hypocrite. I think he's a hypocrite. For, for basically crossing over. Mm. Yeah. You, you. Well, I've just made the argument. You're saying one thing, you're doing another. Yeah. That's hypocrisy. Even across the money side of things. Yeah. It's not about the money, but everything you're doing is to save money. That answers your first question that you asked me. I he's got it. He's got investors. So he needs them to make their money back, essentially, because it's not just him, but he not is the, the money, soul. Though. It's not about the money. It is, supposedly. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, he, uh, um, he's trying to get rid of all the, the bots and, and the spam and the accounts and that sort of stuff because he genuinely believes that Twitter is absolutely is that good for uh, when it comes to political side of things. Again, elections. Surely not all of them are going to be weaselled out. Well, what's he going to do on his own now? 
Apparently so. He's got no one to do it for him, so he's just sat him on. I don't, I don't, I, I can't get my head around all these promises he keeps making, but he, he's laying off a large, large portion of people that would have done that for him. I'm, I'm struggling with this whole concept. Like I said, unless he's going to come out soon with um, some sort of plan going forward, uh, how he's going to achieve all these things, I'm at the moment not seeing how he's going to be able to protect the people, protect humanity, uh, protect his staff. The the other thing, the other side of it as well, is that if he is going to be doing all this and there's going to be the, the reintroduction, the reintroduction of Trump, who has his own social media site now in America, um, uh, and and others, like Kanye, I think Kanye is currently banned as well, um, and he's very good friends with both of them. Surely advertisers are going to drop off. That's ironic, isn't it? He's really good friends Kanye with... Banned. Some of the people, and I'm sure there's others, of course, even if it's just a couple more people that are banned, and all of a sudden the one that's free. I wonder, I wonder if A, he's a Republican, and B, he voted for Trump, even if he's a swing voter, in 2016. I, I, I don't know his voting. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not. But I don't think he's not... It it just all seems a little bit odd to me. And, you'd, you'd, and it would add up. It would add up a little bit more, I think, if that was if that was a scenario. Because one of his best mates are Andrew Tate as well. <laughs> you know, you know, you know people, what I mean, though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. These are people that have been banned for 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 good reason. And I, you know, like anything we debate on this podcast, there are going to be people that agree and disagree for a variety of reasons, and all views are respected naturally. But they were banned for a reason. Yeah. And at the time, it looks like it's going to change. Twitter's rules were that they had said something or done something or posted something that wasn't appropriate, and as a result, in fact, all of them did it on numerous occasions, not just once. Yes. And I believe all three of them, correct me if I'm wrong, again, anybody, um, were warned more than once. They got suspended for a short time and let back, they did it again, and then they were banned. I think Trump was January 6th. I think that's the incident that he officially got yeah. suspended. Yep. In, so in so what Elon Musk is going to turn around and say then if he lets Trump back on, I would argue, if he's going to let Trump back on Twitter, he's saying, do you know what? What you did at the Capitol, that's okay. That's what he's saying, if he lets him back on. I think so. That w- That's recent history. That's not yeah. like that's not like 20 or 30 years ago so where years. somebody can change their character. Donald Trump has not changed his character, by the way. No. Someone can change their character... Move into a different line of work, or, or move away from politics, whatever it might be, and then somebody like Elon Musk and Twitter turn around and go, "Do you know what? We forgive you, and these are reasons why you're a changed person. You've moved away from this, or you moved away from that. You've changed your views. That can happen over years. This is like very, very recent history. If he lets him back, he is he is condoning his behaviour. Andrew Tate was was banned for making misogynistic comments and, and other offensive comments. Whether people agree that he did or he didn't, that was the reason that he was banned. If you let him back on, you're condoning those comments as well. And this is why so many people are saying, well, if that's going to be the attitude of Elon Musk and Twitter, then the, the, these uh, hate posts and hate crimes and, and hate speech is just going to go up and up and up and up. This week, since... Uh, he acquired Twitter and sacked people, and, and, and it obviously became a global story. Um, the use of the N-word 
I'm not going to say it. We all know the word I'm referring to. Uh, went up by just over 500% in 24 hours That's this week. Crazy. Just on Twitter. Do you think Twitter is going to be a government issue globally? Each government will take a stance. Absolutely. And that's the risk he runs. So surely if he is financially planning to gain from this, which you can understand he would. Why why wouldn't you buy in a business? You understand it's not going to be instantly increasing in value. You've got to build on it. Um, Arguably, who's going to buy it from him? That's the first thing. Um, But surely you need to create something now. It suppose it's a free speech platform. So technically anything is free speech but we we know that there's moral there's moral et- and, and ethical um ways to, to deal with yourself on social media you don't use twitter for example i have a twitter account i scroll through it i never post um but you c- anyone can attack you on twitter anybody i know any social media you, te- you technically can you, i know you can block yourself and that sort of stuff but it's surely going to get to the point where government's going to go this is just too unsafe uh, uh, so we made a comparison i made a comparison between Elon Musk and Donald Trump yep. a few moments ago. So, for argument's sake, let's say uh, he did vote for Donald Trump. Uh, he, he possibly is a Republican, but this is for argument's sake. Um, and he's going to let Donald Trump back amongst other people. And he shares those views and, and potentially those behaviours. This is for argument's sake. I'll say it once more, for argument's sake. So, if that's the case... And he takes the same kind of attitude as some of these people and the same sort of stance as what they have in the past. And I'll use Don Trump as an example because everybody knows who he is, his behaviour and the sort of things he did in government in America. Is Elon Musk now going to be the sort of person that, let's say, for example, the UK? Uh, I suspect it will be the EU and a lot of EU countries that do this, but I'll use the UK as an example and say, right, this has got out of hand now, a few years down the line perhaps. Uh, We are banning... Twitter from our country. We are going to cancel it in our country because suicide rates have gone up. Yeah, whatever whatever the reason might be. And I fear that that might be a thing, by the way, that if some of these people are, are let back, suicide rates and, and whatever. If you listen carefully, you've got Mark Zuckerberg rubbing his hands together. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to take the same attitude and basically say, like, like Trump did with some of his policies in America when they tried to shut down... Um, was it the Senate, um, which, which would have closed through. banks? Yeah. And, and he basically said, you know what? Fuck the lot, yeah. Yep. I'm going to do it anyway, because it's my way or the highway. If Elon Musk takes that sort of attitude, where does it stop? Yeah. Where do you draw the line? Because you even make people submit into giving in to you. Or they remove you. Or they remove you, but ultimately the problem doesn't go away. Because he's the sole director, I'm in charge, I don't care what you do, you can cancel it if you like, but I can guarantee whatever country in the world takes that stance by cancelling Twitter, if it gets to that stage, there will be enough people from all those nations, like anything these days, who kick off about it, and they will side with Elon Musk, he will side with them, and you end up with this online civil war, Yeah. Uh, which, which I can compare to so many things that have happened just in the last year or so where you end up with these online civil wars that uh, influencers get behind it and celebrities get behind it. And if that's a celebrity that I like, well, I'm going to support that as well because I like him or her. I don't even know what he or her is talking about, by the way, yeah. but I, I really like, like them, them, so I'm going to get behind it as well. What a load of bollocks. 
you know this? Um, and I only bring this up because of how how weird some of the connections are. Obviously, Matt Groening, the creator of of The Simpsons. Um, there's an episode where Lisa creates a social site, and it essentially ruins um, the civilization. Okay. Essentially, I'm it, not seeing this. It's um, and it's how I foresee this going with Elon Musk. Um, with, with with Twitter, I think there's going to get to a point where he is going to be told Twitter has to be removed. It's got to go. There is no way we can move forward with this anymore because if he is doing it for humanity, then he it can't be there. It, the route he's going to take it down, like you said, if it goes down that route where um, if governments ban it for the for the sake of the people, um, which I probably would be for in that sense. If if we're seeing stuff like beheadings and. Uh, pornographic videos and that sort of stuff constantly. If my child's on there, 13 years old, you do not want them to be seeing that. You don't You don't want to see that when you're scrolling through it anyway, checking on what what Neil Patrick Harris is up to. Yeah. But you you really want to protect them. But there's going to be people going, oh, they're controlling us again. The government's controlling us. The conspiracy theories are going to kick in. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he he's got his, the next step, the next 12 months is huge for Twitter. And whether or not it will, I mean, he's trying to get Vine back which was previously owned by Twitter. I mean, the whole purchasing of Twitter came because Jack Dorsey wanted him on the board. The board said, no, we don't want him on here. Elon got the appetite. I'll buy it off you. And he did. Well, see, that, to me, uh, in the cold light of day, goes back to my previous comment about attitudes and behaviour. Yeah. So you won't let Jack me have Dorsey a bit wanted him on. Exactly. The board said, mm, they blackballed him, basically, yeah. and said, we're not really comfortable with this. We don't want him on. So he went... Okay, like I just said, fuck you then. Yeah, I buy it. Oh, and by the way, you're all fired. Yeah, yeah. Well, if that's his attitude, you can kind of see where it's going to go, can't you? Yeah, you're not going to let me play football. I'll buy my own ball. You're not playing. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to buy my own football club, buy my own stadium. Yeah, he's got the money to do those sorts of things. He doesn't yeah. care. So, would would it would it surprise you if he announces in a week's time? Probably shouldn't have brought Twitter. We're going to shut it down. Uh, yes, it would surprise me because what a waste of money that would be. I don't think he's even that stupid. He's got the money to. <laughs> God, uh, wow. <laughs> what makes you ask that? It's just, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he, if it just gets overwhelming for him. So, now he's a man who's got great success and I, I believe he partly puts that down to his Asperger's that he's got and he announced he had on SNL last year. When me when he hosted the show, um, and he puts it down to that, but I feel like he has like if you start a business, you've done it for ten years, it's valued at millions. It doesn't necessarily mean you've got millions in your bank. I think the famous Lewis Capaldi thing was when he said, "Oh, I'm valued at ten million and he goes, "I haven't got anything in my bank, so where's this money at?" That's so just because you've got something that's worth that value doesn't mean you're worth that unless mm. you can sell it for that value. But he has got that money. He's got it. So if it gets too much for him. And he, like you say, he's the only person right now in charge of Twitter. No one else is there. Now, there's probably people he is relying on. We spoke about advisors. They're, on, on paper, there's no advisors there for him. But he he probably has got advisors. He's got several other companies that are doing fantastic. Um, in targets, exceeding targets, making stupid money. And that's why he's the richest man in the world. But he is that rich that he could go... This this is this so, isn't so, worth it anymore. So what you're saying is, could he, could he potentially turn around next week or in the near future and say, I said it was for humanity. Yeah. 
And actually, I'm taking it off. But he does love Twitter. That's the only. That, yeah, I, I I agree. That's essentially what 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 I was getting at. But the, on the flip side is that he is a big fan. He's got I think he's got 110 million followers. So we we haven't got much long left of the podcast. So I'm going to throw one last question at you, Mike, about this topic before we move on to the final one. Are you going to be joining Twitter soon? And will you be paying eight pounds or seven pounds a month for a blue tick? No, no. So the listeners won't be able to follow you on Twitter for your verified account. <laughs> no, at the moment, based on what we know so far, my view might change. Yeah. Uh, if he comes out with a plan, in his current if I time, believe that he and his company can protect people right now. No, I I don't. I wouldn't feel safe at this very moment in time today. Do you, so no. So like like the first topic, I'm going to have another second last last question. Do you think people should buy the blue tick? Uh, no, for the same reason as the previous question. Same thing. I don't think there's enough information out there from him and that company at the moment to justify any of it right now, anything he said. He he needs to, as I've said, say, right, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I'm going to do to protect people, et cetera, et cetera. Until then, no. Well, Elon, if you are listening, email in. <laughs> or tweet us. Tweet us. Hashtag. Uh, the politically if, if incorrect he, just podcast. Just very briefly, if he does do this massive U-turn that you're referring to, um, perhaps I'm wrong that he hasn't got any advisors. Maybe he's got Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng <laughs> to do a massive yeah. U-turn like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it'd be even shorter than Liz Truss's ownership. Maybe if he lasts in December, I think it'll be, it'll be okay. Um, the last topic we want to touch upon is what we're going to call this week as a Rishi Roundup. And I think that's quite self-explanatory. Uh, for the listeners and the viewers, because we are filming this too. Um, Rishi's roundup this week, second week um, as Prime Minister. Um, the Sweller storm is still is still brewing. The cop change, the U-turn, and the uh, the Manston mayhem is what I've got written down. Um, the Manston one is quite a big topic at the moment. Mm. 4,000 capacity, sorry, 4,000 people in a 1,000 capacity unit. Yeah. Um, what do you make of it? Um, how long we got? Mm. So, um, I'm going to start with 2016. Okay. I'm going to start with Brexit. Because I vividly remember, and this, this really pisses me off, by the way. I vividly remember throughout that whole campaign, not just MPs, by the way, members of the public that have been interviewed, uh, certain news outlets who, don't get me wrong, I'm sure for the most part remained impartial as they have to. Uh, but there there was a huge thing. I mean, I, I've only got to mention the name Nigel Farage, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Around uh, asylum and immigration. And basically, it's fair to say, and I, I challenge anybody to tell me I'm wrong. There was a large argument from a very large group of people, some MPs, some news outlets, Nigel Farage, his following, um, racists, fascists, fascists uh, some of the groups who I refuse to name, but you know who I'm referring to, yep. who were saying, um, we basically, we need to leave the EU uh, because then we can take control of our borders, immigration will come down dramatically, uh, asylum seekers, we can, we can do this and we can send them back and all sorts of different things that people are saying about it. Okay? Yep. Now, a lot of people, for whatever reason, who perhaps um, didn't want to take an interest, and that's fine, 
didn't want to research up on it, and that's fine. Um, voted for the reason that these people were given immigration asylum. Now, I know that for a fact, because when I used to watch the news every night, while all this was going on, leading up to the debate, after the debate and the vote, while, while we were then having huge debates in Parliament and whatever, so many people were saying, I voted leave because immigration is a joke, or immigration needs to come down, or it's out of control, whatever the case may be. So I know that's true, because I heard them people say it. So now, immigration is higher. We've had more asylum seekers since we left the EU. Uh, I'll quote a few figures because now I'm getting really annoyed already. So in 1999, right, two years into Labour government, yep. 80,000 asylum claims were processed by the Home Office. 80,000 in 1999. In 2021, around 10,000. After Brexit. Very relevant. When we were a member state of the EU... Uh, obviously, uh, before we left the EU in what 2020, there was a returns agreement in place with all EU nations uh, that gave that nation the right to return an asylum seeker to um, the first country that they entered. Well, we're not a member of the EU anymore. No. So when they come here, we can't do that. We now have... No returns agreement in place with any EU nation. We've only sent back, as of last week, 24 asylum seekers to countries they came from. So I'm assuming we had to big bro and steel to do that. Right? So, so far this year, only 4% of asylum claims have been processed by the Home Office in 11 months. Yep. So 10 and a bit at this current time. Yeah. To me... <laughs> those stats alone and there were so many more but I brought the main ones that is astonishing absolutely astonishing don't sit there and tell me not you don't sit there and tell me that you voted leave because immigration was going to come down and either you didn't know what you were voting for and you didn't research it and look into it or you just believed everything that everybody was telling you now both of those uh, reasons are very dangerous yep um I'm not suggesting that those people would have voted any different had they known the facts. But the fact is now, we've left the EU, and immigration's higher, we, we, by thousands, by the way. Uh, asylum seekers uh, trying to seek refuge, by thousands, is higher. We're processing less claims. So somebody needs to explain what's gone wrong. With talking about it... Um so obviously there was the illegal advice that was reported recently she was going to ignore. She categorically came out and said she never ignored any legal advice or blocked people from being sent to hotels because they were kept in this area. Yeah, yeah. She said illegal immigration was out of control and spoke of an invasion on the south coast and borders in small boats. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that France? Is that France's doing? Is that France's fault that they're coming over? Well, do you know what? If I mean this is going to be incredibly controversial, uh, and I don't care. If I was in government in France, if I was the president or prime minister of France, and uh, I was dealing with the UK, albeit I am from the UK, and and they'd left the EU, and they'd walked away from all those laws, which they knew they were doing, yep. 
we, we didn't walk away in the dark with our eyes closed, although some people might argue we did. We knew what the government knew what they were walking away from. Okay, even if the people didn't know what they were voting for, the government took control of it after the vote. They they uh, tried to come to agreement with the EU. They knew what they were walking away from. They knew what the laws were that we were signed up to. They knew what the immigration policy was. We walked away from it all. Why would I waste my time as the president, prime minister, or government of any other EU nation by helping you? Yep. You knew you were walking away from this. You now want me to put my time, money, and resources into stopping asylum seekers or, or illegal immigrants coming over to you. No. Yep. Sorry. You walked away from that. It's not my problem. I've got laws in place and I've got agreements in place with the other EU nations that if asylum seekers come to my country, I can return them legally. I'm allowed to do that. But I'm focusing on that. You've given up that right. I am an EU nation. You've given that up. They, uh, they continue saying that the um, that her and... Rishi Sunak, that's Suella Braveman, uh, and Rishi Sunak are supporters of the Rwanda policy, which obviously was a, a Boris plan, um, and the plane never took off in the end. I believe that's right. Planes. Uh, planes never planes. took off in the end. Um, but Sunak has since said he would do whatever it takes to ensure the scheme worked, while Ms. Braveman said it's her dream and obsession to see the flight take off to Rwanda. Now, that's why they process the applications. You've got to get them back. So there's a couple of costs here. Um, and we, we don't have much time left, but there's a couple of costs here um, in that the cost of flying them over is at the UK taxpayers' cost. The the, the um, environmental cost of flying a plane to Rwanda and back, and then back to Rwanda and then back again. And it's like you say, planes, it's, it's, it's plural. There's more than one that's happening. It's going to happen on a regular occurrence. Surely it's going to cost substantially less just to build facilities in the UK, in that area, because it's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. It's not going to be an overnight switch off the light done walk out the room it's gonna stay long term um or does there's, there's, there's a couple of points on come back on this so firstly uh i think the rwanda policy was introduced primarily because we walked away from the eu laws and of course the government never gonna admit this we walked away from eu laws where we had things in place where we could legally return people we were processing more claims what we remember the eu by the way yep. that's a fact the data is available freely online on government websites that is a fact we were We've now left all that, so we had to come up with a plan B. Rwanda came knocking. Yep, we're happy to do a deal with you. You can uh, send the asylum seekers here and we will find them work and, and whatever the, the agreement in place they have. It hasn't happened yet, but it looks like it probably will. Yeah. If, if, Especially if, if what they say is true. Yeah. So that's what I think happened there. In Germany, when they are processing, processing asylum cases... Uh, they put people to work while their case is being processed so they also have an opportunity to prove themselves. Have they got skills that they can put to use in our country? Um, is that is that paid work? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, and, and basically what they're saying is, look, if you've got something to offer us, then that obviously helps your claim even more and you're more likely to be allowed to stay. Yeah. If you're going to come here and you're just going to bum it up and... and, and, and Live with the system. Yeah. Potentially they may be a criminal or... or come here to claim benefits or whatever we're going to send you back because we can do that legally and uh, i suppose in essence what they're, they're saying in germany is you're you're no use to us so you know we we, we can legally send you back that's what we're going to do thirdly and as controversial as it might sound uh i'm afraid it has to be said and you won't ever hear an mp say this but arguably 
asylum seekers or and or illegal immigrants know what they're signing up for when they get in those boats. They know it's a very dangerous trip across the channel or and coming through all those countries. Uh, Bearing in mind the EU law is currently, which we already touched on, that's illegal what they're doing. Yeah. They're supposed to seek asylum in the first country that they arrive in. Arrive in yeah. But they managed to get through several uh, several countries. Uh, and, and I'll use Albania example. I'm not going to use words like invasion and things. I don't agree with that. But you have to travel through half a dozen countries to get to the UK, as an example. They know what they are signing up for. They know it's a dangerous crossing. And they will know by now, of course they will know by now, when they get here to places like Manston uh, and um, is it the um, Jetfoil, I can't remember the, the village it's in. You know what I'm referring to. Uh, the, 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 other, the other base where they're holding some of the asylum seekers. They know that these places are crowded. It's worldwide news. Yeah. So th- yep. they know, don't get me wrong, I appreciate that some of these people come from countries where they're not safe or don't feel safe or, or under threat. Um, but there are arguably some of them come from countries where they are safe as well. Not to mention the fact they're travelling through half a dozen safe nations to get to us. And that's a whole other debate why they come to England and why they don't stay in yeah. other countries. Um, and we really haven't got time to touch on those reasons. I'm sure people can read between the lines that are listening. But my point is, look, you know what you sign up for when you get in those boats. So I have a large degree of sympathy with how they're being treated. I have a large degree of sympathy for these families, and not just women and children, the men as well. People seem to talk about women and children, women and children. Yeah. There's men there as well. Uh, we've got reports of disease outbreaks uh, and, and ill treatment. There was a horrific story uh, today or last night about a boy allegedly being raped in a hotel. Um it's all deplorable, but I'm afraid my sympathy only goes so far because they know what they signed up for. They know that that is the process they have to go through. They know they're going to be put in one of these bases. They know they've got to cross the channel in a dinghy. They know all of this when they yeah. do it. And uh, so I and sorry, just to finish. No, no, of course. I have slightly less sympathy with the people that come in from a a safe country yeah, and B through safe nations to risk all of that. I have less sympathy with those asylum seekers because I, I, I can, I can sympathize and um, see why when, if you're from a war torn country, if you stay there, that it is just as much of a risk except from the outcome from trying that journey is going to be um, the, the best outcome is, is that you are going to get to a safe country. You are going to, if you even in one of these facilities, you are gonna be safe again, or you'd like to think you're gonna be safe. Whereas compared to staying in your country, it could be quite. But I I completely agree in the terms of if you've come from another country, that's there's nothing going on there that's safe, um, and you're coming through several several countries that are also safe. Why are you not staying there? That's that's the thing for me. We don't have a lot of time, so I want to go touch on the Sweller Braverman um, point. Um, there is still a little bit of pressure on her. Obviously, now with this, it's kind of taken the limelight off the fact that she resigned on the Wednesday yep. um, because she broke um, security she broke security breaches. Yep. Um, Liz Truss res, um, resigned on the Thursday, mm-hmm. and then by the following Monday, Tuesday, she was back in the same position. Mm-hmm. Two questions: Should she be in that job? Secondly, should she resign? They kind of go together, but. Um, 
So she's admitted to these security breaches, six, yeah. I believe, in total. Um, so uh, it begs the question, is she a risk national security? Uh, I think if it was a one-off uh, and she had apologised, which she did, and that's why she resigned, error. by the yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and now she's admitted to a further five. One, once it, one, once it um, transpires from one-off into multiple breaches... That that is a risk to national security. Um, so no, I don't believe she's been in the post. Uh, if you've asked me the question after after she had resigned initially, um, I would have accepted that she had done something wrong that she yeah. admitted to it. However, if if you'll if you'll give me one minute, I know we don't have much time. Yep. I firmly believe that. Well, at the time, I believe this say at the time I read her resignation letter and the details around it and thought she's playing a very clever game here the government is collapsing Liz Truss is under far too much pressure and will be resigning within days as it happened it was the next day at less than 24 hours I had a sneaky suspicion she had intentionally uh, committed a very minor very minor offence in her position as Home Secretary in order to say I'm going to resign now I'm going to step back from this chaos um, to save my own reputation. I don't necessarily have a huge issue with that. Yep. Um, the reason why she did it, because uh, she had done it another way, of course she could. But that's that's what she chose to do. What's important there is is that that's what you believe. That's not there's there's no there's nothing evidential there to say that's what no, happened. Of course not. But of that's not. you read you looking into that's, it. You... That's that's my opinion. That's my view. Yeah. Uh, last week. Uh, when she stood up and said, actually, it's six, my views then ha- it had to somewhat change because, as I've said, as a one-off, I can live with it. We all make mistakes, yeah. uh, even politicians. Six, yeah, you, you probably, arguably, should not have been reappointed if Rishi knew that at the time. Um, there is, of course, the rumour about him doing a, a, what was it, Labour called it, a dirty... A dirty, dirty backdoor deal, yeah, or dirty deal, or whatever, something, like something, like, something along those lines. I won't be quoted on that because I'm sure that's not the exact words that he used. Uh, if she weren't to stand in the leadership contest, he would give her the job back as Home Secretary. Whether that's true or not, I'm sure we will never know. I um, two things on that. Um, I think it is now time for her to resign. Um, I don't think her position is any any more tenable. However, I think she is slightly getting off the hook a little bit because of, I say off the hook, off the hook in that scenario because of what's happening at the moment when um, in, in Manston, um, because she is still responsible for that. Um, if Rishi replaces her now, I think the limelight goes off both a little bit more because it's someone new coming in, their new policy. They haven't overseen any of this happen um, and Rishi needs to leave them to get on with it for the pure basis of that. He has seen part of this happen. So he can no longer say, well, it's, it's now time for us to stand up and do something because that should have been done a while ago as, as evidence has come. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so that, that's I think she should stand down and I think uh, um, they should, re- that he, needs to, he needs to step back from it. Uh, the final, final topic, and it is going to be very, very short, is COP27, Rishi, as you turned, going to it this week. Um, he said there was a lot of domestic issues that he wanted to stay for. He now has, is going. I think it's right he should go. Obviously, usually it's every five years they come. Um, the king was told by Liz Trust or asked by Liz Trust not to go. Um, he is holding the day before a summit in the UK to end the UK's um, COP26 summit. Um, do you think he should go? Do you think it's more pressing matters at home than the king? Or uh, the uh, Prime Minister. Uh, Rishi Sunak. Prime Minister. 
Uh, yeah, ab- I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, climate, environment, uh, green energy, all the, all those things that come under the umbrella are, are vitally important at the moment, globally, not just to our nation. Yeah. Um, I felt really sorry for Alok Sharma last year, uh, who chaired the COP26 conference in Glasgow, who put everything he had into that. Yeah. I, I watched large parts of that on, on TV and on YouTube since as well. Incredibly passionate about it, and I think he's done a fantastic job. Regardless of what you think of him as a person or, or the fact that he's a Tory, and uh, I know they're unpopular in large circles at the moment, um, I really liked what he did. It, I, it, 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 it made me like him as a person, not just yeah. as a politician. And then when I saw him close the conference after that they had had that vote and some of the countries, after all those conversations, all those discussions, all those negotiations, actually said, we can't agree to this. Yeah. And he was crying. He was crying at the end of it, basically saying, look. It shows you it, how much it, it meant to him. Exactly, exactly that. There was genuine I, passion I've got a lot it. of time for him. Um, so I think it's important that Rishi goes to represent us. Yeah. I, I don't think it should be anybody else. However, I think, again, my personal view, there's no evidence of this. Uh, and and I'm not quoting anybody. Uh, Boris Johnson did an interview on Sky News this week um, about, around Ukraine. Yep. Um, and they very candidly asked him some other questions about uh, his leadership bid and, and um, COP27. And he said, um, in fact, I think it's one of the only times the interview sat forward. It, well, yes, I've been invited yep. and I will be going. Uh, and he was very pleased with himself, and, and rightly so, that, he, that he's been invited and he is going and, and whatever. And the next day, Rishi Sunak's going as well. Yep. Is there a connection? I think there is. Can he afford for the XPM, who almost fought him in the leadership contest, had over 100 people backing him, with 100 being the threshold, and is more than likely going to form a leadership bid in the future? Go and undermine him. Exactly. And that's what it would have been. He would have been undermined. Whether he would have admitted that or not, and I'm sure he wouldn't, he's not going to stand in the House of Commons and say, yes, I've been undermined. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, he would have been undermined. There's no two ways about it. He could not afford that to happen. So, uh, such a short time into his premiership. Um, so, whilst I think it is the correct decision and the correct U-turn, for want of a better phrase, I think that played a part in it when Boris announced... For the right reasons. Yeah, I'm going. Rishi then had to go. Well, that is all we have time for this week, Mike. Um, if any of the topics we've discussed, uh, if you've got any input, those who are listening or watching, um, feel free to reach out. You can get us on Twitter with using hashtag politically correct podcast, um, or you can email us hello at politically correct podcast.com. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. Anything you want to say, Mike, before we go? No, thank you very much for listening. Really enjoyed that, and we'll be back next week. Join us, yes, join us next Saturday, um, and make sure you tell your friends. Yeah.